What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than the power of conversation? I am Mark Francis, once again, two weeks in a row to help host this spotlight. I have Alicia Battaglia on my right, Mark Carey on my left, but I wanted just to say this is week number two without our buddy Caleb Pearson, and there's good reason for that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're wed and they're honeymooning, it, but I'm sure that they are putting everything on pause to listen to the podcast. Yeah. I was going to tell him, if you're listening, Caleb, shut it off. <laughs> you're on your honeymoon. So the wedding happened on Saturday. Mark, you were there. I guess it was cold. It was snowy. Hey, warm hearts. They were in love. Lots of love. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You can get married anytime, anyplace, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but congratulations. So for yes. all you listeners who care about our personal lives, there you go for Caleb. We're uh, investing into your personal life right now, and congratulations to you and Hannah. Yes. So we want to, we have a lot to unpack. I mean, Romans doesn't get any easier as we go. So Mark, I'll just turn to you first, because you know you had a, a, a big passage to unpack, chapter 10, 1 through 13, and uh, you know, are, once again, are there things on the cutting room floor <laughs> that make sense for us to dive into? Well, I mean, this is a tough passage, and I have really over the years, wrestled with it, wrestled with it, read, reread, you know, wrestle some more, wrestle some more. And then, you know, when you know you got to preach it, oh boy, here comes Sunday. You know, <laughs> I've got to, you, you got to uh, really coalesce those ideas. And I, I, I probably have two dozen commentaries uh, wow. on, on, at least on Romans. And, yeah. um, and uh, you know, people say different things and see things differently. And, you know, that's just... Uh, happens, and I'm sure that happens at FBC uh, every week as well. I think f- for me to understand this passage, it was understanding, uh, and, and Zane Hodges' commentary was very helpful, probably of all those commentaries, but for me, t- to understand the passage, you had to understand this idea, this kind of what I, s- I, I believe is an overriding sense theme of this wrath of God. Hmm. We, uh, so I went back you know, chapter 1, verse 18, mm-hmm. chapter 2, verse 5, the day of wrath, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Uh, but the immediate context is that chapter 9, and and so I, 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 I went there, Isaiah's uh, passage where he talks about, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant is going to be saved, for the Lord will execute his word on earth thoroughly and quickly. And there's this sense of... Hmm. of, of uh, doom or, or, you know, uh, that God is going to do something and it has to do with his wrath. So there, to me, that's an overriding theme. And then right after that, it says in chapter 10, verse 1, my heart's prayer and desire is for their salvation. salvation. Yeah. So now, you know, Bible study, you've got to ask yourself, what do, what do terms mean in their context? And typically our default thinking when you see salvation, yeah. well, you mean from, from hell, you know, we're heaven type thing. But that's not always how it's used. And so in that context of Romans and understanding the wrath of God, uh, it, it just, I, I, I sensed that was, is Paul's predominant concern, because even in chapter 11, he goes on to that, that one day there will be a deliverer, a savior is going to come, and he's going to deliver his people mm. in that day, uh, in that final day. Um, which is why I had, I, I invited Don in Hartog the week before, to talk about that, his, that very helpful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so we we wanted at to, the right time too. It made 
so much sense well, to have yeah. him put it right there, and then we dive into this passage. That, that was the point, yeah, um, to, to, to do that. Um, now, having said that, so, so I, I see this sense of salvation, deliverance from that day of wrath, and, and one other thing is, is Paul's quote of Joel. Mm-hmm. So Paul's quote of Joel, you know, all who call upon the name of the Lord mm-hmm. will be saved. And mm-hmm. I, again, I see that temporal, that time, that yep. special time for the Jewish people. Now, yep. having said that, uh, there are plenty of other interpretations. One commentary I had has lists six different or seven different interpretations of this passage of this. Uh, and, and probably one that I also wrestled with is that this idea in verse 9 that if we confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no question that in the context, Paul is concerned about their eternal salvation too. Sure. And, and some would say, well, that's his predominant concern. His predominant concern is their eternal salvation. Hmm. And, uh, and I can understand that. I can, I can see that in one sense because he certainly talks about in the verse 10, for with the heart a person believes and it results in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, and that results in salvation. So if you took salvation as salvation from hell or our sin, eternal salvation, mm-hmm. um, how are you going to interpret the word confess with your mouth? What does that mean? And for other commentators and, and good, I mean, good, uh, and I can see it as a possible understanding in this verse. It's that confession with the mouth would be um, identical with believe. It's just another mm-hmm. way of saying believe. Because, An acknowledgement. Like, yeah, uh, which is what confession is. Uh, agreeing with agreeing, God. Exactly. To yep. agree with God. So the mouth then is simply agreeing. And, and because Paul quoted Deuteronomy um, 30, just kind of the verse before, uh, or in verse 6 and 7, talked about the mouth. So he's simply tying that mm-hmm. in with what he had just said. And so... Another possible uh, interpretation would be confessing with the mouth is it really essentially saying the same thing as believing with the heart. It's not a like a verbal commitment that you have to say something verbally right. Right. or, or um, declare him to be um, the Lord of your life or something like that, but it, it, it's equated with same thing as believing. The problem with that is if you go to verse 14... And what stumbled me with that interpretation is that following on the heels of verse 13, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, that's tied with the confession of the mouth, the call upon the name of the Lord, is verse 14, which is, well, but how will they call on him who may have not believed? How will they believe if uh, they haven't heard? And how will they hear if we don't have a preacher? And how will they have a preacher if he hasn't sent? So there's a sequencing. Mm -hmm. So the call upon the Lord clearly follows having believed. And all of Scripture tells us that faith in Christ, belief, is what saves us eternally. Hence, in your sermon, which we didn't even unpack verse 14 yet, you really were implying that you can't call on the name of the Lord unless mm-hmm. you have believed. So you were That's kind right. of giving us yeah. that, right. that hint that it was saying that. the calling upon. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So, only, so what I emphasize is that only believers can call upon the name of the Lord, because you can't call upon them if you're not a believer, if you haven't believed. So when, when it's all said and done, yes, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, and, and again, other commentator, uh, commentators would say that's simply acknowledging who Jesus is, mm-hmm. 
that he's Lord, that he's, that he's God. And confession with the mouth is simply agreeing to that, and you, that's the same as believing in your heart. So some will say, again, that this is all one concept, um, and that Paul's primary concern is deliverance from hell into heaven. Again, the more I studied it, I saw it as this deliverance in the context of what is going to happen to the Jewish people. That's the big question. Is he speaking to the Jews in that time and place? Because at that time, they really most of them hadn't believed. Or is he really speaking to that prophetical call in the name of Lord from Joel that is quoted a couple different times in Scripture, uh, of that Don and Hartog kind of picture that he painted of that end right before Jesus comes back? Well, the, the thing is, um, verse 8 says... Uh, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith of which we are preaching. Those are singulars, you. <laughs> so I do think Paul is concerned about those Jewish people. You know, he's obviously he's writing to the church at Rome, the right. believing community. In the moment. In the moment. Yep. But he is concerned because I think the prevailing view, even for the Apostle Paul at that time, was that this is imminent. This coming wrath, this coming was imminent. And, and they, Paul had already said in, in uh, the Second Thessalonians passage, they are under the wrath of God to the utmost. Hmm. So Paul saw that. Hmm. His heart was deeply concerned because um, I think they were truly believing. I, they didn't. I think if you would have talked to Paul and said, well, Paul, don't you know that's 2,000 years from now? <laughs> you know, Mark He's, Carey's going to be preaching this passage and it hadn't happened yet, you know. Not expecting that. I mean, no. he's thinking Jesus is coming back. Right. Very soon. Very soon. Mm -hmm. Yep. Peter has to address that later in his second epistle at, towards the end of his life that, you know, many were saying, well, where's the sign of his coming? Well, hey, don't, you know, mm. don't jump to conclusions because mm -hmm. it's coming. So I, I do think it was a... So there are other interpretations, and I just think that it makes best sense to see this confession with the mouth and to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, and we'll unpack that Neat. next week mm -hmm. uh, yeah. or this coming weekend. More. I do want to unpack more, a little bit more about the confessing with your mouth and the, the differences of opinions out there. But Alicia, I want to turn to you and get your thoughts because yeah. I know you're, so you're just had, ready to fire away I as well. I had a light bulb, bulb moment, which was really neat because for, you know, I've never heard this different, differentiation between the belief and the confession. I've just assumed that they hold hands and they are just one and the same. Um, but when, once you like brought that to light, it was like, boom, I saw it. And then I see, wait a minute, this is Paul's story. And essentially, so I got so excited about that because um, back in 10 verse 2, he's, um, he says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And that's what like Paul had this mm -hmm. zeal but it was without the knowledge. He was he was self-righteous in, in and of himself. And so I went back to Acts 9, to Paul's, Saul's story, yep. Paul's story too. Um, and here Saul is, he's hunting down anyone who belongs to the way. Paul's rejecting the Messiah. He has this religious zeal without knowledge. But then this light, Jesus strikes and totally crushes that re religious zeal. And I want to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. 
Um, So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And then verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? So here, mm-hmm. here he is. He is believing now mm-hmm. and he is proclaiming. He is confessing right. Jesus is Lord. He is the supreme authority. His, his life has been totally turned upside down. So I think that he gets this. He the gets zeal this. for God to then knowledge. Yes, now yep. he's got the zeal with it's knowledge, great, yep. which um, is where that confession comes from because there's this direct correlation between the, the confession, it results from the believing. And so here, here, here it is on display. And then too, he understands this passion of what the, the Jewish people, the zeal that they have and what a dead end road it is because he's, he walked that road and with more zeal than what they are, honestly. And now he's like, totally been changed and he can see that and so now he is extremely impassioned for his people like there there is no other way mm-hmm. and and then i thought about how um that beautiful passage in exodus where god descends on the mountain with moses and then god the lord proclaims his attributes and here jesus has descended to us and has proclaiming him that he's the way, the truth of life. There's no other way to the Father except through him. So I just, I just saw that. I'm like, this is so amazing. And maybe it's just like a duh, duh. Like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but it is. It was a light bulb moment for me that all these pieces of the puzzle were coming together. I was like, oh, I see it. Yeah. There now, is a differentiation. Now, Paul, Saul, once he's converted and trusts Christ, Paul, he, he, he's a new creation in Christ. I mean, he is born again. He's going to be bound for heaven. And he could have just slipped away back in Jerusalem or gone back to, to uh, Cilicia, uh, Saul of Tarsus, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just lived his life out. And, uh, but he didn't. Uh, and I, I think of other, other people. There was um, Joseph of Arimathea. Hmm. There was Nicodemus, mm-hmm. and in yeah. John's gospel, they were disciples. They were mm-hmm. followers, right. mm-hmm. but they were secret. Mm-hmm. They had they not confessed. Public- That's right. Yeah. And can you imagine the number of believers in this day and age? You know that, what, what Paul was writing, um, the persecution, the, the for, for mm-hmm. the cause of Christ, mm-hmm. and basically what he's saying is, come on, you know. And he and you're right. He he modeled it. Yeah. And he it, proclaimed it. He did. And he publicly. Uh, acknowledge it. He joined with the followers of Christ as Christ worshipers and followers. Yeah, he went from a, a a murderer of Christians to a Christ follower with that zeal with knowledge. Yeah, and a Christ proclaimer. And a yes, Christ proclaimer. Christ, exactly. Yeah. And and so he joined with all those who called upon the name of the Lord mm-hmm. and and made that. I think again, what Paul is saying is he's calling the Jewish people. It starts with yes, faith in Christ. 
and he's calling them to put their faith no longer in their own self-righteousness, mm. but in the righteousness that is the free gift. Mm -hmm. So that's heavy in chapter mm -hmm. 10. It, okay, you but see... But then, then it's a call to publicly acknowledge it. So my light bulb moment right now is he's already given the gospel, especially in chapters 6, 7, and mm -hmm. 8. So why would he retell the same story to the Israelites? So like, now if, if you've gotten to this point, what are you going to do? You've got to call on the name of the Lord. And I really, my passion is for the the Jewish, my people, you yeah. know, and so call in the name of the Lord as Old Testament prophetic prophecies have been saying that we should be doing and can be doing and, and believing first, confessing, calling in the name of the Lord, and then proclaiming, which we'll get to yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. But that that does make sense. And, you know, sometimes we just glaze over these chapters, yeah. chapters 9, 10, 11, let's get the meat. We, we care about 6, 7, and 8, and then we get, we want to get to chapter 12 because those verses are applicant to us too. And... <laughs> and admittedly, and, 9 and 10, 11 is hard it's anyway, hard. so let's just bypass it. Another thing that jumps out at me is, too, it's just start, starting in 10, 12, Romans 10, 12, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon uh, call upon him. And there's a couple of things there. One is, yes, this, this message is focused in on the Jewish people, but... It's also this generous extension to Jew and Gentile. That's us. Mm -hmm. So we get to claim a hold of these truths. And then he's bestowing these riches, which the application at the end of your sermon I thought was so, so excellent. But then here, Paul, he's doing it. Hit the 1133 once again. He's modeling this for yes. us. Yep. He's like, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So he's modeling everything that he's mm. proclaiming. Like mm -hmm. he's from, not only talking the talk, yeah. but he's yeah. walking the walk. And he's like, this is where I've come from and this is where I'm going. And this is for yeah. you. Yeah. I, and I, I, I want to be clear. I, I, um. To, to have a relationship with Almighty God is simply on the basis of faith in Christ alone. Hmm. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there was the, maybe we still say it today, I don't know, but there was that phrase, the secret service Christian. Are you a secret service Christian? You know, like, you know, no, <laughs> I, no one I, knew. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, you're in the secret Cloak service. Cloak and dagger, get yeah. your yeah, gla right, sunglasses right. on, I'm, in, I'm hiding yeah, out. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't but no, you know, <laughs> you, you're a Christian too. Um <laughs> Certainly, what Paul is not saying is that you have to trust Christ and proclaim Him in order to be eternally saved. Yeah, right. So we make that distinction. Right. People can trust Christ, and but what he's saying is, if you want the vibrancy, if you want the excitement, if you want to be delivered in that sense of, as I was explaining at the end, in terms mm -hmm. of application, then go all out. Look, mm -hmm. live for him, worship him, mm -hmm. be a part of the believing community, proclaim him to people. Mm -hmm. And and um, mm. like Abraham did in the Old Testament or or Elijah on Mount Carmel, or you know, you, you go and proclaim and call upon the name of the Lord mm -hmm. and you will be delivered. Mm -hmm. And for the Jewish people at the end of the age, at the end of that tribulation, every one of those adult Jewish people are going to be They're believing both eternally saved and yep. delivered from that wrath yep. and enter the millennial kingdom. That's, that's, that's what John, Don was preaching. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do want to just hone in on how in 
how interpretation is so key and how doing your homework and mm. looking at the context. And we say this a lot here on the Sermon Spotlight podcast, but just especially for these passages, how important it is and how you can just get a little askew and how just one little slip up of not fully understanding the context or understanding the, the Greek word or the, the Hebrew word or whatever it might be that you can say confess and believe. You can say repent and believe. You can say be baptized and believe. And these tricky words are circling around Christendom today, where people get slipped up and say, nope, you've got to do this. Nope, you didn't do that right. Nope, you didn't get baptized. Mm-hmm. And, and and how you can fall into that ditch really easily. Yeah. And and not just have that simple belief in That's Christ right. alone, faith alone, by yeah, grace Yeah, but Mark, alone. isn't that easy believism? Yeah. Okay. You're, Too easy. You're talking about cheap grace now. You're, you're, you're diminishing the... And no, you're not. I mean, it's that's kind of a a strange phrase, easy believism. I mean, what's more easy than believing? Mm. I mean, mm. here's the truth. Do you believe it? <laughs> and that's and that's all it takes for us to have an eternal relationship with God. But that's just the begin. That's just getting out of the starting blocks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is there is massive change that takes place in a person's life the moment he trusts Christ. Massive. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it takes discipleship as a process to see that worked out. And when it's, when it's enlivened and being worked out, which is what Romans 6, 7, and 8 mm-hmm. it was helping us do, right. you become a person who calls upon the name of the Lord, and, and you become that, that professing, confessing, and call which upon... Is sanctification. It's, it's in, sanctification. And it's in that context that calling on the name of the Lord is so valuable mm-hmm. yeah. of, of that... Okay, I'm just not just calling in the name of the Lord when I'm like in dire straits and like need the help. I should be calling on the name of the Lord, as we say, moment by moment. That's right. Mm-hmm. Every it's day. a lifestyle. Life, yep. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. you know, Sunday morning is is just a. To me, Sunday morning and corporate gathering is a is a review of the past week, and now from the past week we get together to to praise God and to worship Him. And to acknowledge his faithfulness to us, mm-hmm. as well as an anticipation of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's preparing me for the coming week, too. Mm-hmm. But to do it corporately, a part of the worshiping community, mm-hmm. we together call upon the name mm-hmm. of the Lord. And um, and it's done every week. Every, every, week, yeah, I mean, every week is the opportunity. That is calling on the name of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to equate that to worship, to equate that to a lifestyle, I wouldn't have first gotten that reading this until we really start diving in and, and these little comments, these little light bulbs that the Holy Spirit's teaching me personally of saying, what is it calling on the name of the Lord look like? You know, is yeah. that just a, an Old Testament thing or is that just something that, you know, Paul and Peter did, you know, in the early church with Acts, you got to yeah. call on the name of the Lord. No, yeah. this is now. Yeah. This is for us today. It is. And even though he's writing to his fellow uh, people, the Jews, we can take this, chapters 9, 10, 11, say, man, we are learning something about right. who God is and how it applies to my life today. Right, and, and Alicia, you brought up in verse 12, abounding in riches to mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. Jew or Greek, right. that's us today, right. who call upon the name of... So, right. yeah, and, and, and for me in this sermon, that's that was the fitting end, because you're sitting out there, and there's we don't have maybe too many unbelieving Jews out there, right? right. right. but there, we have a lot of believing Gentiles... Yeah. Who and the right. question is: Are we abounding in the riches of what mm-hmm. God has? Are we calling? Up, are we? Is it a lifestyle of calling upon the name of the Lord? Right. And one thing that I think is like sometimes we're wondering: How do we? How do we call on the name of the Lord? 
in those moments. And number one, if you're not sure like where to start, just get in the word, mm. start reading the Psalms, start. I mean, it is all over the place of calling out and declaring uh, the name of the Lord and then just be thinking and studying God's attributes. Mm -hmm. And once you're learning about who God is and his character, he calls that to mind and hiding his word in your heart. That is just a uh, fresh awareness over and over and over again of what to proclaim about who God is. Just like on uh, when Moses in that Exodus 34, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. he's, you know, God is proclaiming his attributes. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And I think that that passage, and we'll probably talk about that this coming weekend as well a little bit, but is instructive also because it's almost like God he descends, it says, and he's, he's, he's there standing with Moses uh -huh. almost as this is how you do it, Moses. Right. And so yeah. he's prompting. Yeah. And, and that's instructive for us as well, because let's face it, there are times in life that we can so easily get our focus off of, of who he is. Yep. And, and what we end up doing is proclaiming ourselves in the mm -hmm. sense of uh, two believers getting together. How's it going? Oh, man, I tell you what, it's if it, it this is this is the worst that I've ever gone through in my life, and and all of a sudden, and and it's real. I, I mm -hmm. don't want to minimize mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. but that's the value of the body because somewhere we need that help that mm -hmm. says, well, where where do you see God showing up in this? Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, mm -hmm. we're helping yeah. people and coaching people and helping them call upon the name of the Lord. Right. And you get that focus off yourself and right back onto him. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing how all of a sudden an outlook of life changes. Right. We yeah. need the body of Christ to do that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and that's what the corporate gatherings are there for. Yeah. yeah I mean, God knows that we are going to forget. God yeah. knows that we're going to uh, fall short. And so to have these weekly reminders, that's I mean, right. Weekly might not be enough sometimes well, to do it, but that, and that's where the small groups are there. That's where right. discipleship groups are there. It should be and within the home. Within the Husbands home. Husbands and wives together Absolutely. or with your children or with a roommate where you, you, you talk to each other. And you we, we, we always should sift life through this grid of the, the greatness of God mm -hmm. and, the, and the character of God and what we know is true about God. Mm -hmm. And again, that's what God did to Moses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Lord, the Lord mm -hmm. God, compassionate and gracious and slow mm -hmm. to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, the things that the hymn says, that the things of the world will grow strangely dim yeah. in the light of his glory and grace. Right. Right. And, so in, in, our, in our proper response is worship. As we see who he is, our proper response is worship and praise, which is really, is really cool. I'm, um, I started the book um, by Paul David Tripp, Journey to the Cross. It's a 40-day Lenten devotional, and hmm. on day five, he had um, the, the topic is prayer, and he says, prayer is abandoning my righteousness, admitting my need for forgiveness, and resting in the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he says, prayer is one of God's sweetest gift to us, gifts to us. Prayer only works when worshipers are invited into the presence of one worthy of their worship. It only works when the one being prayed to is amazingly patient, boundless in love, constantly forgiving, and sovereign in power. For by prayer to be prayer, God has to be God. Without this, prayer is an act of religious futility. But God is God, and he has invited us to bring our true selves to him. 
And I just think that that's really uh, just that's one way that we can enter in and go before God and just offer ourselves to him and acknowledging who he is um, and yeah. let our hearts be affected by that. And, and what robs us of that? I mean, I, I look at my own life. What, what, where do I find the great sucking sound of, of that leaving me? It's, it's when I focus on the, like the stuff that's going on in the world. Because there's when, a million things to I, worry about. When I watch too much news <laughs> right. and I get upset about what's going on. And, and it, it's, I mean, there's plenty of things to get upset about. And I'm mm-hmm. not, again, minimizing that. But if we don't run it through that mm-hmm. grid and then br- have it bring it, you know, the, the default posture then should be on our knees exactly. and going to God with that right. mm-hmm. instead right. of going to Twitter or, or yeah. social media and, yeah. and, and, and Tapping complaining. Tapping what abounding riches yes, that's that he's it. given us. Like, let's get on our yeah. knees and tap into that because the, they're there for us. If there's any day, a time and day and age right now that mm. God's people need to be calling upon his name... It should be us, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, the power that could be behind that, as a body of believers. And uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that's probably believers in different parts of the world do it a whole lot better than we do here. Yeah. But we're, we're coming that way. And I, well, that's another whole time, another whole sermon. But I think as this world uh, digresses or degresses mm-hmm. or and, into more and more darkness, mm-hmm. at least our world here in the United States. All the more that we have to be people who call upon the name of the Lord so that we will be delivered. Right. Because there is there is a definite connection between that dependence. When we're when we're dependent, we are so needy and we're there's a desperation that we have that we are calling out. Whereas when we are coasting and Mm -hmm. not seeing our need, we're not calling out. When, when the darkness becomes more clear, hopefully the light then becomes more clear. Yeah, right. And yeah. if you live in this kind of gray, oh, everything's fine kind of phase, I don't have a need for God. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep sucking in the way of the world. And isn't it an ir- irony many times that in our prayer services, our prayer times, that we're asking God to get us out of the right. very mm-hmm. situation that he's allowed us to be in yeah. so that we will call upon his name? Yeah. Lord, solve this problem for me so that I don't, can stop calling upon your name. Right. You know, come on. Yeah. Right. Anyway, well, I don't want to cut us short, but you know, we are diving into what's going to happen next week, and yeah. I get, I'm going to get really excited because my heartbeat is worship and, and, and responding to God, and we're going to sit in this a little bit longer yeah. next week yeah. even. Yeah. You know, not moving on in none of the passage, but really focus on this key verse 13. So, Mark, I don't know if you want to give any tidbits what that looks like, but modeling what calling on the name of the Lord looks like is going to be just as vital to to understand what it means. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the meaning of call upon the name. Some more, we'll touch some examples. Fascinating passage in First Kings uh, uh, eighteen, I believe it is, with Elijah on Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. and he tells the prophets of Baal, "You call upon your God, mm-hmm. I'll call upon my God," mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so the the efficacy of of calling upon our, our our God is another whole exciting part about this whole thing when it talks about abounding in riches to all. Have we even begun to to, to fathom the abounding riches if we call upon him? I mean, Elijah experienced it with fire from heaven yeah. came down. Yeah. And uh, but what 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 just what would God want to do in our life mm. if we simply humbled ourselves, went to him in 
you know, all out submission to mm -hmm. him and called upon his name. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that and then we'll practice it a little bit yeah. uh, in our worship service next week. I'm excited. And it's going to be just an opportunity again to respond to where we have been as a church all up until this time also. I mean, going through the book of Romans is deep mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and wrestling with these passages and coming up to here better understanding who God is. Mark, you've said it a couple of times. You might not really fully understand these passages. You might not fully agree with really where we're going, but how can we recognize God's character mm -hmm. and get to know him in a deeper way? Right. And then then our response is to respond. You know, mm -hmm. how do we how do we respond to that? Yeah, the, old, the old Westminster Shorter Catechism said, ask the question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify, glorify God, God yeah. and, and enjoy, enjoy him, him forever. forever. Good job. <laughs> Simultaneously. Excellent. Well, let me just give a quick uh, just update. I mean, we had a, a great turnout this past week um, in our services. And I'll just reinforce, if you guys are watching and listening uh, online, that there is the 9 o'clock service that we, is the mask-required service that we would love to just grow that service a little bit. Saturday night is another good opportunity to come. Um, but you know what? If, if you're there on time at 1045, I think you're getting a seat. If you're coming late, you might not be getting a seat. So how can <laughs> just, how can we encourage you guys to, to, to come on up? Yeah, because there's this room at the 9 o'clock service. There's room, and, there and there's is. fellowship three downstairs. So I just encourage all three venues, all four services that we have over the course of the weekend, um, make use of them. And uh, we love to grow. And trust me, if you are new here to FBC, and you're listening or watching for the first time, we want to get you plugged in as well. So continue to go to the website, continue to get connected and stay connected with all the different ministry opportunities here at the church. We do have other podcasts. We have the Fellowship Family Podcast that you can listen to to hear uh, of what's going on in our church life. And we have the Global Missions Podcast to hear what's going on around the world. So there's a lot of things to to get connected with here at FBC. Yeah. So I'll... COVID, COVID has tried to shut us down, but it's my goodness, it's... Busy at Fellowship Bible Church. <laughs> Let me tell you, if anything, I mean, it's, yeah. it's shown us the need to of this gathering, of really where we are, and 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 I'm excited about kind of how God is retooling and reshaping us to be like, man, we want to be focused on on Him and, and gathering as a people, so we can call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. looking forward to next week. But uh, until then, you know, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. So until next week, much love. Thank you.